I can talk to you better when you're sitting down. <laughs> Thank you. It's so good to be here. Um, we had a wonderful night last night, and after last night and after Brent's show, I thought, my word, Mary, that's a hard act to follow. What on earth am I going to say and do after that? But you know, I'm glad the Lord's in control, right? And I do think he's given me something to share with you mothers. If I'm going to talk to you about anything today, it's about the influence of a mother, the influence of a mother, and for you to understand and realize how strong that is. And so turn with me to a book, which you'll probably think I wouldn't go for Mother's Day, but I am, and it's Ephesians. I want you to turn to chapter 5, and then we'll turn to a few verses in chapter 6. Just read them with me, please. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. Boy, we wives love this verse, don't we? Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. And then I want us to go down to verses 14 of chapter 6. It says, Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. You might be saying, what has that to do with Mother's Day? Well, follow me closely because we're talking about the influence of mothers. I believe it was a concern of the Apostle Paul when he wrote the, this epistle, which is a majestic, incredible epistle. And I've read it many times, but this year I've seen something in it I've never seen before. I think the emphasis of this epistle is about the family. And we talk about putting on God's armor. But if ever a family needs protection and needs an armor, it's today. And so for that reason, we're going there. The other thing is about the influence of, of women and the influence of these different things because uh, we do have an influence, mothers, whether you like it or not. But let me just turn back a, a moment and look at this because in Paul, when he's talking about two things in regards to the family, he's talking about the church family and he's talking about the family at large, the husband, wife, and the children. And when he's talking about the church family, he talks about it as a mystery. He talks about it as something incredibly marvelous and a miracle. And it's that to him because for the first time, because of Jesus Christ, that the church, what we call the church, has come together. And he's witnessed the fact of all kinds of people, of all nationalities, of all nations, of all cultures, and they're brought together as one before the Lord, male, female, bond and free, Jew and Gentile. And when we stand before God, we stand as one with the same Father. To Paul, that was incredible and it was a mystery. But then when he gets to chapter 5 and 6, the focus is more on the family per se as husband, wife, and children. And so we come to this, uh, what we're talking about here, about the wives and about the husbands. I want to say this. That the husband is the authority in the family. That's God's word. But there are two powers at work in a home between a husband and wife. And hear me carefully. If the husband is the authority, I believe the wife is the influence. Now listen to this. We're living in a day 
when influence is overriding authority. Political correctness will tell this when the very laws of our lands are being changed simply because of political correctness, that the influence is taking precedence over authority and godly authority. Now, I want to bring this back into focus this morning as I look and, and, and go through these things because, you see, there is a two powers at force here. We can go to the Bible and see it. If we went to the Old Testament this morning, we find that there's a king in Israel. He is all authority. He has great power. But there in the northern part of Israel, he has a wife. His name is Ahab. And his wife, do you know her name? Jezebel. What kind of woman was Jezebel? He had all authority, but she had the influence. So much so that what happened, she brings in with her as she marries this man, all of her gods from pagan countries. She brings idolatry. She brings in harlotry, and she brings the nation downward. What's more, she was responsible for the killing of many of the prophets. You say, oh, well, what about the New Testament? Well, I've got an example for that too. When we come to the New Testament, we find another king in Israel. His name is Herod. He has a wife, Herodias, and a beautiful daughter who is a wonderful dancer. Her name is Salome. What happens here? Because of her influence overriding the power of authority, she's the one that brought about the demise and the beheading of John Baptist. So do you see what I'm trying to say? I'm talking to mothers today. You have an influence, and you make a choice where your influence is going to be for good, or is it going to be for something other than what God has ordained us to be? So now we're going to go into the message, okay? That's my introduction. Aren't you glad that's behind? We're going to talk now about good and godly women that had an influence for good in their lives, and so that's where we're going. And so we're looking at this household, this home environment, realizing it's God's idea, knowing at the same time that today the home is under attack. And it's because of the influence of our worldly culture, and some would call it political correctness. But notice then, what we have here in today's focus, the godly influence of mothers. When I turned and I read about the armor, I'm not going to talk so much about the armor itself. I want to talk about what it stands for because I believe that godly mothering and the influence of mothers is right here. It is, first of all, being girded with truth. It's been having that breastplate of righteousness. It's knowing what peace is all about. It's about knowing faith and having faith in Almighty God. And of course, it's having that of salvation and more than anything else, knowing the Word of God. This is what makes a godly woman and a godly influence of a wife in the home. So follow me through this morning, if you will, on these things that I want to talk about. So today's focus then is the godly influence of mothers in scriptures as senior truth, righteousness, peace, faith, salvation, and the word of God. Okay, I'm going to lose these notes if I'm not careful. I'm finding the older I get, the more notes I have to make. <laughs> I don't trust my memory as much as I used to. Okay, the first thing is truth. Truth is that of integrity. And it says it's a belt of truth. It's that which we wrap around us to keep us together. 
ladies, is to stop us from falling apart. Have we ever day, had days that we felt that we are, I think the modern term is frazzled, that everything seems to be hanging out there and we are falling apart. And Paul is saying that you need to wrap this belt of truth because truth will bring you together. Truth in our inward parts. The psalmist says like this, that he said that you should desire truth in your inward parts uh, because it will make known wisdom to you. I don't know about you, but I need wisdom every day that I live. Now, I want to say this too. Truth is not always comforting. Truth is not always what we want to hear and what we want to know, but it repairs the breach. Where a long time ago, when my kids were teenagers, it is a long time ago, but you know, sometimes they'd come home and they'd tell you some kind of story or other, and one of the things I learned to challenge and always ask them, I say, now, is this the truth? I would prefer to be discomforted with truth than to be comforted with a lie. Sometimes I don't like the truth. Sometimes the truth hurts. But there's grace for truth. In Christ, we can handle truth even when we do not like it because there's grace for truth. There's no grace for lies. And so as I was thinking about the truth and integrity and honesty and being transparent, a uh, picture came to me. I had to smile, uh, you know, when, when we retired and Pastor Dan became senior pastor. You know, somebody came up to me and asked me about the Mother's Day thing. And I said, oh, I said, I think I've preached every mother in the book. I said, it's okay, it's over. <laughs> I want you to know I found some more mothers. <laughs> and I thought I'd preached every mother in the book, and so you're going to hear about some of them today, okay? It's amazing what you can find in God's Word when you study it, right? But as I was thinking about this idea of truth in our inward parts, the story came to me and found in 2 Kings 5. In the time of Elisha, the prophet, there, there was a man in Syria, and his name was Naaman. If you remember, Syria, uh, that Naaman was a mighty man, a mighty warrior. And he, would, he went into Israel and uh, came down with the Syrian armies. And of course, they ravished Israel and they brought back many of Israelites as slaves to Syria. And he had a slave in his house, and it was a little girl. She was just a maiden, and she was a maid to his wife. And somehow, when all this was going on, he finds that he gets up one morning and finds that he has leprosy, kind of a shock to him, and he doesn't know what to do, and so it gets around the household. And this little girl that works for his wife happens to say, you know, if my master would go to see the prophet Elisha in Israel, I think he could help him. Now, you might all know, know about that and think, well, what are you trying to say, Mary? This is what I'm trying to say. On the basis of this young girl's word, this man gets an entourage of people around him and goes marching back to Israel to find an Elisha. You don't do that unless you trust the person that's told you what is said, right? Do we, do we, I don't know about you, but sometimes we hear all kinds of words and the first thing we want to know is, well, who said it? Well, her word carried weight. Her word meant something. And because she said it, this teenage girl, because she said it, he believed it. And he goes marching back on the basis. I want to say some mother had taught that child. Some mother had 
imparted truth and integrity into her life. Not just teaching her, but showing her. And she became that woman. We can think of lots of examples of this. Pastor Dan and others lately, they have been sharing about the Daniels and the three men in the fire. What were they? They were raised up in Israel and they were taken as slaves, but they never forgot what was taught them. And mothers, think of that. It stays there. I am amazed today when I talk sometimes to my kids, which I do quite often, you know, I am their mother, but I'm surprised at what they remember back then some of the stuff I wish they'd forget. But, you know, they remember it. And so, you, you know, when you're putting things into your child, they are going to pretend as if they've forgotten it. But 20 years down the road, you'll find out it's still there. So, you know, impart good things like honesty, integrity, and truth into their life. And so she had been taught as a child, and she had been taught and instructed those right things. We need to go on. We've got a long ways to go here. Truth, then, is the first thing that we have to look at. The second thing is righteousness, the breastplate of righteousness. In Proverbs 4, chapter 3, it says, guard your hearts with all diligence, because uh, that's what a breastplate does. It guards the heart, because out of it flows the issues of life. You know, we women, we are emotional people, aren't we? And God knows that. And he's telling us to guard our hearts because it's so easy for things to happen to our hearts. Our hearts can be broken. Our children can break our hearts, right? All kinds of things can break our heart. They can become hardened. And you know something? I prefer to deal with a person with a broken heart than a hardened heart. That's another thing. The third thing, sometimes hearts can be stolen, even as Absalom stole the hearts of the people from his father when he sat in the gate. So these are some things that we need to guard our hearts again. And I was thinking about this idea of righteousness, righteousness. And there's a woman in scripture that I love, and she, we are told that she was righteous. You know, my husband, used to say for many years that he learned to, he wanted a, a character in Scripture that he could model his life over. And you all know what it is because he talked about it frequently. It was Simeon. Well, I have a woman that I kind of think that is my example to follow from Scripture. She's a beautiful woman. She's found in Luke chapter two, uh, chapter 1, and her name is Elizabeth. You've all heard of her. But it said that her and her husband, they were both of that priestly tribe of Aaron, both of them. And the second thing it says about the, them is this, that they were both righteous, walking before the Lord in all the commandments. They were both righteous. Righteousness is important important to God. And church, hear me, it's not legalism. Righteousness is living according to the commandments of God as he given them. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And this is what righteousness is all about. And Elizabeth was that kind of woman. She walked according to God's commandments. And then if you read about it, you'll find she not just walked according to the commandment, but also she was filled with the Holy Spirit. God fills righteous people with the Holy Spirit. Did you know that? And we need, we've been talking lately in this church and how important it is about how important it is to stir up within us that Holy 
Spirit. Stir up that flame. God wants to do something with this. Elizabeth was a person. She was righteous, and she was filled with the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you something. Because she was filled with the Holy Spirit, she recognized something no, no one else recognized, and the Holy Spirit will do that. When you become filled with the Holy Spirit, you'll find He will reveal things to you. He will show things to you that you don't know, and it will surprise you. Wouldn't it be wonderful if all of us today were those people of righteousness that knew what it was to be filled with the Spirit? So she was filled with the Holy Spirit. She was quickened. It enabled her to see. That's what the Holy Spirit does. Oh, my... I pray this morning that we'll become a church just not filled with the Holy Spirit. Say, yes, I have the Holy Spirit, wonderful. No, but you can see what God wants to show you. It'll give you clarity of your vision, and God wants to do that in his church. The next thing is that because she could see and share this revelation, she recognized that Jesus was Lord. And here he was just conceived in the womb of Mary, and she recognized that. Nobody else did, which goes to show what an incredible righteous woman she was. And then, of course, she became the forerunner of John the Baptist. Uh, 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 that she became the mother of John the Baptist, the forerunner to Jesus himself. I just love this. i got to share this. When you get to verse 8, when you read it in chapter 1 of Luke, it says that John the Baptist, after she bore him, remember she's a middle-aged woman, she's not like a teenager with lots of energy and everything, she's kind of slowing down a little bit, and here she has been blessed with this wonderful baby, but it says this, it says, he grew strong in spirit, have you ever thought about that? <laughs> A child that is strong in spirit? What does that say to you? Does that tell you that he's controlling? Uh, does it tell you that uh, he's hyperactive? Does it tell you that he's challenging? I think it says all of that, don't you? Strong in spirit. And I would, wouldn't be surprised if there's more than one mom among you that's had that experience of having a child strong in spirit. You know something? God's entrusted you with that child. He entrusted Elizabeth with this kind of a child. He knew that he would be, she would be, that she would nurture him as he needed to be nurtured, to be what God had destined him to be. And mamas today, God doesn't make mistakes about placement with his children, okay? You've got what God wanted you because he's entrusting you with that little one. And so here she had been entrusted with this child that was strong in spirit. Now then, if, if Elizabeth was the first person to recognize that Jesus was Lord and was the Lord, it was John the Baptist that first recognized Jesus as the Lamb of God. We sang about the Redeemer this morning, didn't we? Wasn't that wonderful? And that's exactly what John, he came to announce to everybody that Jesus was going to be the Lamb. He was going to be the one that would redeem us from our sins. And John the Baptist recognized firstly that Jesus was that. Right, moving right along here. So we've looked at truth. This is what a righteous mother and a mother of a godly influence is going to be. She's going to be a woman of truth, teaching truth. A woman of righteousness in breathing it into her children. And the third thing is peace. It says, have your, peace, have your feet shot. In other words, be ready to move. <laughs> you know, we mamas, we always have to be ready to move, right? We don't know where we're going in the next direction sometimes all day. At the end of the day, well, what have you done? I don't know, but I've been all over the place. <laughs> so you can identify with that. But peace, we got to be ready to move. I want to say this. Peace 
does not come through weakness. It comes through strength. Peace doesn't come by backing down. It comes by standing up. Peace does not come by wandering around. It comes by walking it out. And so as we look at peace, there's a wonderful example. You're probably ahead of me. Guess who I've chosen? (laughs) In the book of Judges in the Old Testament, chapter 4 and chapter 5, there's a woman there. Her name is Deborah. Have you heard of her? She's known to some to be a prophetess. She's known to others to be a judge. And, of course, there were some that called her a warrior. And she was all of those three. But do you know what she called herself? If we looked at the scripture this morning, we find that she refers to herself as a mother of Israel. A mother. There's more power in being a mother of Israel when you're a right influence as a mother and a godly influence than any of the rest. That was most important to her. I am a mother of Israel. How many, wouldn't it be wonderful if all of us women today could say together that we are going to be mothers in America, mothers in Fort Worth or wherever you come from. What a change we'd make in our community. She stands up and she calls herself a mother of Israel. Let's look at her briefly as we go along. First of all, we find that she heard the cries of the people. Now a lot of people hear the cries of the people, but it meant something to her. She couldn't just sit and listen and do nothing about it when she heard the cries. She also saw the problem, and listen to this. When you read those verses, this is what the scripture will tell you about the problem. It says, village life had ceased. What does that mean? It means that life had shut down. I don't know about you, but we are living in a day when we are seeing America's life is being shut down and ceasing to what it used to be. Now, I can tell you a story. When I was a kid growing up, we went five miles to school in the snow. Isn't that right, Dan? We all had that terrible experience. We love to talk about it. What I want to say this morning is this. Can we send our kids out on their own to school anymore? Can we send them out to play anymore? It's a changed world, isn't it? We, we feel more protective of them today than any of the generations before us. Why? Because when the enemy comes in like a flood, well, we know that the God's going to st- bring up a standard. We're talking about the standard. But when the enemy comes in like a flood, he shuts down. He wants to close us up. Village life cease. And that's exactly what the enemy does. And this is why it's important for your mothers to realize the influence that you have and we together that can stand up and come against some of these things in the situation, even as a Deborah did in her day. And so we find then she cries out to the Lord. She saw the problem. She sees the fear and the frustration and how fragmented everything's getting. But you know what she did? She wasn't afraid. She decided to confront its leaders. She calls him Barak. He's in the Bible too. But... Notice this. She doesn't doesn't go to this commander-in-chief and say, I need a word with you and give her her opinion. I don't know about you, but we all have more than one opinion. on. You know, if you ask me something on one subject, I've probably got six opinions on it. But that's not good enough, is it? It's not my opinion that counts. She didn't go and say, oh, this is what I think. Or this is what the people are saying. No, she went to the Lord and she said these words, has not the Lord commanded you? She challenges him on what God had already said. And we got enough words in the book today to challenge the word with what God has said. 
We don't change from what God has said. He is first. He is foremost. If we're going to change this nation, it's because we put our trust in him and we're going to remember what God said and not what Mary Evans is talking about, right? That's what makes the difference. So she confronts the leadership then and with, the, with has not the Lord God commanded. And so De- Deborah, she saw the need. She spoke out. She became a voice. She stood up. She arose. She's ready for action. And ladies, it's time to stand up. And then she stepped out against the enemy. This poor guy, the captain, he said, well, I'll go if you come with me. And so she said, I'll come, count me in. And when we challenge in the name of the Lord, be prepared to walk it out. And she was. She became motivated for peace. She stepped out against the enemy. I'll go, she said. And she became a motivator for peace. Hear me. When you get the end of the chapters that you read about Deborah, the last verse there says this. And Israel had peace for 40 years. You know how long 40 years is in the Old Testament? It's looked upon as a generation a whole generation of peace. Now, the judges is full of judges. That's why it's called judges. But in all the judges that ruled Israel, nobody was able to bring peace for that long. This was a God-given thing. This was because a woman, a mother of Israel, dared to stand up, see the problem, and step out in Jesus' name. And I believe God is calling us, ladies, to start doing this. Be the influence for good in the lives of our community, in our church, and in our family, for his name's sake. Okay, so we got truth, we got righteousness. God's talking about to us about having peace But then there's this idea of faith. It's not an idea, is it? No, it's God's word. The shield of faith. Because, and notice what it says about shield of faith. It says, above all. In other words, this has a special emphasis. Why above all for the shield of faith? Above all the rest. I think, of course, it's just me speaking so you can throw it out. Uh, I believe it's this. It's because without faith, it's impossible to please God. And so we have to have faith above all because we want to please him first, right? And so we need this faith. In Hebrews chapter 11, we have a chapter which we call the Hall of Fame or the Hall of Faith, in which the author has given us a whole list of people that walk by faith and not by sight, a people that believed. And if you go through the chapter, there's three women in there, and they're all mothers. Can you believe that? Three mothers that's listed in that, in that chapter of 11 of faith. I'm just going to touch on them and move on quickly. First of all, there's that one of Sarah in verses 11. She had faith, and she received a miracle. Her faith was to receive, to receive from God. And you know something? What she received was that baby, and this was it. She believed the promise that God had given to her. Years came, years went, decades went, and decades came and went. But at the same time, she realized there was a promise hanging over her, and she believed in the promise. And so God brought it to pass. Listen, church, God has promises hanging over our heads. And you say, Lord, how long? How long? Hang on. (laughs) Have faith because there's a promise that's given to us. If God has given a promise to you, you can believe this. God will bring it to pass. Have you ever known God to break any promise? No. 
Not one. And so if God has given you a promise, then hang on to that. It will come to pass. So Sarah had faith so that she received. But there's another woman here, and it talks about the parents of Moses. And, of course, the mother was Jacobed. Doesn't give a name, but we know who he's referring to. She wasn't so much having faith to receive, but God gave her faith to release. If you remember, there was uh, all those babies, uh, the ba every baby boy that was born was to be killed. And here was a woman that defied the ed edict of the, of, of the pharaohs. And she decided, she felt God had put this in her heart. I'm sure she did because I couldn't see anybody doing such a, a ridiculous thing as putting a baby in, a, in a, your own made little cotton, floating it down the Nile there. It doesn't make sense, does it? But God, God told her what to do, and she had faith to release it. She didn't release her baby to the Nile. She released her baby to God. That's what faith is all about. Faith is receiving the promises given. It's releasing what God has told us to release and let it go. But then we got a third woman here, and she's the strangest of all. Her name is Rahab, the harlot, they tell us. And so, but she's somebody that's going to be rewarded. This is an incredible story. I think I've talked about it once before. I'm only going to touch on it right now. But you see, she became part and the enabling of Israel to come in and conquer Jericho. She hid the spies. And so she said to them, will you remember me and my family? And they did. So when they came in to take Jericho, they saved her. And they took her and her family. The amazing thing is this. She became part of the family of God. She became an alien. She was an alien, but she was brought into the family of God. She married a man by the name of Salmon, and she had a son. You all know his name, don't you? His name is Boaz. Now, think of this. Boaz is one of the most righteous men in all of Scripture. He's compassionate. He's a wonderful character study, and he seems, you know, he's always feeding the poor. He's blessing people. He became the husband to Ruth. And you say, how on earth did that happen? Grace. Grace. I want to say this this morning, and hear me, ladies, because there might be some of you here. You can say, Mary, how can I bring my child up like that in righteousness? How can I bring my child up in truth? How can I bring them up in, in faith and all this kind of thing? Because you don't know where I come from. I don't need to. God does. He's already forgotten about it if you've repented of it. And so what I'm saying, here was a woman that could identify, and yet she brings up one of the most righteous men of all. Why? Because she left her past behind, and she went on as a new creation in Christ Jesus. There's always hope. And so it doesn't matter what you are past, but for goodness sake, leave it behind you. Don't drag it around, and you can still bring up your children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Depending about what, you, it's not where you come from, it's where you go. And where are you standing today? Standing with Jesus because he's standing with you, okay? And so those are the three people that we can base our, our life on. We've looked at truth. We've looked at righteousness. We looked at peace. Let's look at the last one. Uh, and faith. 
uh, looking now at faith. No, we didn't. Yes, we dealt with faith. And now with salvation. It says to have this helmet of salvation. The helmet covers the mind. Boy, we're in a day when we need to cover our mind. We are bombarded with garbage everywhere, whether you put on radio, whether you put on television, or whatever it is. Guard your mind. And so this is what this helmet is all about. Our imaginations, our intellect, our ideology. Why? Because we are saved to serve and we need the mind of Christ and not the mind of the world. Mothers, if we're going to be an influence for good, it's important that we not just guard our minds, but that somehow we pray with our children, that we nurture our children so that their minds too can be protected from the garbage that's going on in our world today. The enemy would bombard our belief system with feebles and fantasies and falsehood. But thank God, he is more than conqueror, isn't he, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Faith, I'm just going to read a scripture on this one. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 5. The words of Paul to Timothy, who he calls his spiritual son. He says, he says about him, he said, Oh, as I call to remembrance, Timothy, about the genuine faith that's in you. And it's there because of a grandmother and because of a mother. And so that these are the words of Timothy, uh, of, of Paul rather, to a Timothy. He's calling to remembrance about his grandmother Lois, his mother Eunice. And he said, I'm persuaded also it's in you. How did it get in him? Because it had been passed on from generation to generation, from a grandmother to a mother, and now to a Timothy. And Paul goes on about that in chapter 2, uh, sorry, chapter 3, verses 15. He says, from childhood, Timothy, you have known the Holy Scriptures, which is able to make you wise for salvation, which is in Christ Jesus. The influence of a mother and of a grandmother made the difference in the life of Timothy as it brought him to faith. Oh, it wasn't it wonderful seeing children being dedicated this morning? But we want not just a dedication, we want them to see, see them being brought to faith. Parents, you can do that in Jesus' name. Claim your children. You've got a promise hanging over you about your child. Hang on to it. Don't let them go. But remember, you're bringing them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord because they're not just Jewish, but that because they belong to him also. I'm coming to the end of my message. <laughs> and it's this. The sixth thing is the sword of the Spirit, which is, what is it? The Word of God. Pick it up. Open it up. Lift it up. Let it become part of your life every day. You'll find all that you need, isn't it? Now then, as I look upon the sword of the Spirit, I'm reminded about this about a sword. It's a cutting instrument. It separates. In Hebrews chapter 4 and verses 12, it talks about this, about the Word of God is living it's powerful, and it's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit. What does it divide? What does it separate? Things that we've talked about this morning. It'll separate truth from deception. That's what God's Word will do for you. I'm not sure if this is true or not. Get in God's Word. It'll help you. It will separate righteousness from disorder and debauchery, so you'll know the difference. It will separate peace from discord. It will separate peace from doubt 
and it will separate salvation from delusion and destruction. That's what the sword of the Spirit and as the sword of the Spirit will do. In closing this morning, the sword represents God's Word. But it's more than God's Word. In John, in John chapter 1, he talks about the Word is with God and the Word was God. But when he gets to 1.14, John says this, And the Word of God, it became flesh, and it dwelt amongst us. You see, that is Jesus Christ. He is the living Word. He's the captain of our salvation. He's everything. Jesus Christ, he is the truth because he said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the light. He is our righteousness because we say, he is all my righteousness, and we stand complete in him. He is our peace because he's broken down every wall. He's the peace speaker. He's our faith. We are told he's the author and the finisher of our faith. Salvation? Well, I love in the prayer of Simeon when he holds Jesus up before the Lord, he says, my eyes have seen thy salvation. Jesus Christ made manifest. You know, Jesus is our Savior. He's the captain of our salvation. He is the one who fights for us. And so this morning, mothers, I want to ask you, what kind of influence are you going to be to your family, to your children, in the church, in our community, here in Fort Worth? What kind of influence will we decide to be? Will we be a godly influence as we are designated to be and as God desires us to be? Bringing glory and honor to his blessed name. To be a blessing under those who are in our care. I pray this morning, and I'm going to ask all you moms to stand because I want to pray over you. I want to pray for you this morning that we will be the kind of moms that those that are under our care, that by God's grace, God's grace, we will. Because we win if we will. So, Lord Jesus, I just lift up every mom in the house this morning. I thank you for blessing them with children because they're a heritage from the Lord. I thank you for what you've done for them. But in the days when they feel frazzled, Lord, when the times when they feel that they are falling apart, I pray that they realize you're the one that put them back together again. I pray that these women will become a woman of your word. And they become a woman, Lord Jesus, that will love you like these people that we talked about today. That, oh Lord Jesus, they will love your word. They will love you a life. They will love what you have given to them. I pray your blessing onto them. I pray your quickening of your Holy Spirit. That they will be filled with the Spirit and kindle that flame within them. Set them on fire, oh God. God, if you did that and you started here, who knows, Lord, what would happen. We believe in revival. We believe in what you said to us. And so I pray, Lord Jesus, for every mom to be that mom that you destined her to be. That you bring their children up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. She will be faithful. She will be true. She will be righteous. She will be a woman of faith and a woman of peace. And more than anything else, Lord, she'll be a woman of your word, bringing honor and glory to your blessed name. And all God's people said,